This is the Retail Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on market scale. Place the item in the backing area. We're on that third mega trend where consumers really have taken over the shopping channel because now they're walking into stores a lot more informed. For a lot of brands, especially digital natives, they want to test and see what's working first and then make some educated decisions. We don't hide from the fact that retail is difficult. You know, every day is a challenge, but that excites the customers. They love that. We've got fresh inventory and the doors are open. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Market Scale Retail Show. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and welcome to the first episode. What a perfect day to drop a retail show, huh? It is Black Friday 2018, November 23rd. What a beautiful day. I am excited to get out there, do some shopping, save some money, and battle the crowds. Everyone's classic Friday, right? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to give you guys this show because it is Black Friday themed, and we're really going to be exploring how Black Friday has changed over the last few years, where it's at now, and what shoppers are looking for. Um, as industry giants like Amazon have overtaken e-commerce, Consumers have found year-round ways to save money, so Black Friday is kind of losing its intrigue. So what is the Black Friday shopper looking for, and how should brick-and-mortar stores attract those customers into their store? We have all that and more on our podcast today. We have a feature with Jennifer Ruskin, CEO and owner of Jennifer Kalo Ruskin Enterprises. We also have another feature with Stephanie Sullivan, owner of Sully Consult, and they're both going to help us understand best practices for staying profitable in a season that demands deals, as well as help us define the Black Friday shopper of today and what it will take to get them in store. So for this quick segment, you'll definitely want to have your phone or computer handy so you can watch along as we talk about these ads. Before we jump into our main features for the show, I would like to do some blank of the week, which I do on some of my other shows, but this time around, it is the retail show, it is the Black Friday-themed show, so I'm thinking we're going to do ads of the week. And really, we're going to... We're going to open the spectrum up a bit, and we're going to do some of my favorite or least favorite holiday ads that I've seen, but I'm not going to do it alone. I need some help, and we're going to be chatting with marketing expert and digital media strategist Dennis McInerney here at MarketScale. Dennis, great to have you here to help me break down what makes a great holiday ad and what makes a sucky one. You know, there's nothing I love more than analyzing ad content, and I think we're going to really find what's working and what's not this holiday season, Daniel. Sounds ominous. Very. <laughs> okay, let's pop open the first one. So this is an ad by KFC. Um, it basically showcases this chicken strutting her stuff across a desolate Christmas wonderland and then comes across a turkey and they have this Red Dead Redemption 2 Wild West showdown. So I personally liked the ad and I'm not a digital media specialist like yourself, but what I liked about it was it didn't take itself too seriously. Like clearly KFC roasts pounds and tons of chicken every day but uh you know they're still going to empower a chicken to cross a holiday wonderland and scare off a turkey because turkey seasonal chicken is forever and the absurdist content of it i think makes it memorable and i think that's what makes a good holiday ad is if it is memorable as far as holiday ads go i wouldn't 
I guess it's kind of niche. It's almost like a Thanksgiving-specific ad, yeah. which is a little odd. But overall, I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty pretty interesting. It also feels weirdly self-aware like the Puppy Monkey Baby ads in the Super Bowl. You remember those? Thankfully not familiar with those ads. Oh, wow. Those were horrifying. But, but yeah, it's just got this sense that it's not trying too hard to convince you of like, oh, tug at my heartstrings. It's, no, chicken showdown. So... I liked it. Okay, let's check out our second one. Now, this is an ad from Amazon, and really the main intrigue from it is that it's a bunch of singing boxes, and they're singing along, and everyone looks happy. It's like, oh, look, the boxes have that big smile, and now they're singing. The only thing I really liked about that ad was some pretty good singing, actually. They, they sourced some great gospel soul-infused singers for those singing boxes. But beyond that, I think that ad felt 10 years old. Yeah, that did not feel like a current modern-day Amazon ad. I feel like the majority of the ad content I've seen from them in the past year or so has been, you know, vibrant. And I wouldn't say that piece wasn't, but like you said, it does feel very dated. And just the entire visual context of the video had a lot going on. Yeah. There's like a strange love connection towards the end of the video. I don't know. A lot going on. Something else that was odd was seeing these like blissfully happy Amazon workers just like, oh, the boxes are dancing. But it's like there's been a lot of controversial news about working conditions at Amazon. So I feel like that is something I can't get out of my head when I'm watching them yeah, giggle about see, it singing boxes. You see these AI-driven, like, uh, carding robots <laughs> organizing all these boxes, eliminating jobs for these <laughs> warehouse factory workers, and they're all just happy and smiling. It's very odd. It just, it, I think it reinforces a bit of an out-of-touchness with a lot of big brands, in my opinion, that, you know, I don't think anyone thinks of Amazon that cheerfully or that, um, you know, that, that like, wow, if I see an Amazon box, I'm going to be smiling ear to ear no matter where I'm at. And, yeah, Amazon has revolutionized e-commerce. I'm not saying it's not one of the most powerful if not the most powerful brand in the world right now, but this commercial just didn't really do it for me. No, and I think, uh, you know, in contrast to the ad we've just watched previously, this ad takes itself very seriously. Right. In the sense that it's basically Amazon powering the holidays and everyone seems to be happy about it. Right, exactly. At least in the context of this video. Okay, cool. So last ad, and I really like this one. This one is called... This is not a brick, and it is a Lego commercial, and I really just love the visuals of it. I love that I think it hits home on the family connection aspect of what makes Lego and the holiday season so great that I think this Amazon ad didn't quite hit on. I just love how in control of the imagination the kids seem, whereas the parents seem like they're being dragged along through this fantastical world and they are so out of their league and I think in a really honest way it does showcase what it feels like to play with Legos like the kids are in command of the world and the parents are there because they love being with their kids but it's it's almost like not their scene right and so the kids are in command of the story and the parents are just there for the ride I love that and we're seeing this as a trend kind of in ads and marketing content across the board is you know it's not telling you 
what Legos are necessarily, but how you can use them and kind right. of really building on the imagination aspect of what their product does and kind of empowers. And like you said, you know, it's interesting that, you know, someone, you know, 30, maybe 35 years old wrote this ad in an agency with children in mind. Well, but the also, truth is that guy, that guy or girl probably played with Legos when they were a kid. I definitely. Mean, yeah. It's interesting also to see these like huge budget ads like, yeah, it's a Lego ad, but, you know, there's the Disney angle with Star Wars. Right. And it's also interesting to see how songs get recycled in a lot of these holiday ads like. The Amazon, not necessarily the Amazon one, but the uh, KFC ad, you know, very iconic music and in this one as well. Well, Dennis, thank you so much for giving us your insight on these ads. I think uh, our audience can get a better sense for what makes a good holiday ad, what makes a not so good holiday ad. So if anyone out there is putting together a holiday ad, contact Dennis because he's got he's got the insight. That's for sure. Thanks again, Daniel. For our first feature today, we explore the idea of the Black Friday shopper. There are typically two kinds of in-store Black Friday shoppers. On one hand, you have the budget hunters, and on the other hand, you have the thrill seekers. But in 2018, your traditional Black Friday shopper has evolved. The shopper has become more savvy, and they've learned to shop the best deals, and not just take the retailer for their word. Stephanie Sullivan, owner of Sully Consult, came on the podcast to give us insight on how retailers are finding non-financial ways to attract this new age shopper. She breaks down some specific examples of how retailers are adapting to the 2018 Black Friday shopper and explains that even as online deals remove some of the budget power from Black Friday, people that want to be out that day won't be dissuaded by easy deals. All right, Stephanie, welcome to the Market Scale Retail Show. Great to have you on this particularly Black Friday themed episode. How are you doing today? Doing great. I'm excited to get another perspective on Black Friday shopping that I think is really important for brands, retailers, big or small to really understand. And again, that is defining the Black Friday shopper, which uh, I, I'm sure can be a tricky thing. <laughs> It can be because Black Friday, you know, over the years has evolved um, so much. And now it's, you know, this big enterprise that customers not only look forward to, but they expect. Definitely. So I know that you have been in the industry for the last 16 years um, working with Walmart and other traditional grocers. In that time, uh, what kind of insight have you gotten on consumer behavior and how that changes around the holidays just in general not really looking at black friday yet but but just how does that shopping behavior change when you start leaking into that october november range yeah i think that that the shopper over the years has become more savvy um they've they've learned that they can now shop the best deals not necessarily just take a retailer at its word but they have access through online options through their experience to draw from, um, they have gotten very savvy about who typically, um, they like to purchase their items from, whether it be food or electronics or, or clothing even. Um, and I think that retailers have gotten smarter about that by paying closer attention to quality 
um, paying attention to market pricing and just learning to be more efficient with their costs. Right. Well, yeah, no, I, I'd say the average consumer today probably feels way more confident uh, finding the deal or finding the item that they're looking for than shopper even just five years ago. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, and even just five years ago, Black Friday shopping specifically never would have happened on a Thursday. Right. Um, but, you know, retailers have become more competitive in trying to get their piece of the pie, you know, and, co- and competing to see who can open the earliest and get the most consumers there because they know that if they that if the consumer comes into into their door first they're going to have them captured for a longer period of time which pretty much means they won't have the ability to go to another retailer to get their doorbuster or to get their um early sale deals so right and it's really interesting that that is the trend to open the doors sooner and get people in the door sooner and and faster when at the same time you're seeing I think more consumers find the same sort of deals year round or or, you know, at least find less value in Black Friday. So they're having to switch up and and find new ways to entice people to shop on Black Friday. And uh, I, I think as the shopper evolves, the methods that brands attract those shoppers evolves as well. So let let's break down that shopper. You know, let's really define uh, what that shopper is like and how they have changed over the years and what your traditional Black Friday shopper or shoppers, because I'm sure there are a few different kinds, look like in, in 2018. Yeah. So as we look back over the decade, even let's go back 10 years, Black Friday was was an event that you waited for. You didn't buy unnecessarily um, in October, September, October or early November because you knew Black Friday was coming and you wanted to save your money to go and get everything that you needed for Christmas. And, but, but to your point earlier, um, those days really aren't as important anymore because we can shop online. We can find today, we can find access just about anywhere across the globe to the items that we're looking for, for the best price. And so with that, um, you know, the shopper is becoming more, just becoming more versed in the vernacular of, of merchandising. Um, they're able to go and they know that they can go find a good deal. If, um, if retailer A doesn't have the price that they think is the best, well, then they can go look online at retailers B, C, and D um, and, and compare. And they can do it right there on the spot at the shelf. And that so that forces retailers to be smarter and to look at the non-tangible ways that are the the non-financial ways that they can benefit shoppers for shopping there. A lot of retailers are finding customer service. They're looking at item exclusivity. But what I mean by that is maybe that, you know, they are carrying an, an item that other retailers may carry, but there's something very special and specific about the one that they carry, whether it be in color or fragrance or um, ingredients if it's food. So they're looking for ways that make their items stand out differently, but in a more more meaningful way to the shopper. Um, and the way that they, you do that is by learning who your shopper is and learning the trends about what they are buying within your store. Right. Right. And I think we really see at least two different kinds of Black Friday shoppers. You have those that are really looking for the deal because it's the holiday season and they want to get those Christmas gifts 
early and at a you know at a budget price. Um, so so you're seeing those consumers that are really looking for the deal because well they're shopping on a budget and they need that deal. And then on the other end of things, you have the ones that live for Black Friday as more of the holiday. You know they want to be the people charging through the retailer with the cart throwing as many things in there as, as quickly as possible and, and really, you know, that that thrill, that hunt of the item. Um, and as e-commerce really changes, I think, what Black Friday means for a lot of people and how they can find those deals, how are you seeing brands readjust the way that they, uh, I guess, promote Black Friday for those two different kinds of of shoppers. So let's start with the budget shoppers, the ones that are really looking at Black Friday for those deals. How are you seeing brands, stores, retailers adjust the holiday event for them? So for those guys, um, they're going to they're going to offer their very best deal early um, and for a limited time because brands just can't afford to run deep deals um, and, and merchant and merchants can't afford to run deep deals for extended periods of time because then it doesn't matter what your volume is, if you're losing money, you're losing money. But the brand does recognize that, you know, as the family structure has changed, as we now have, um, while we, while our families not, aren't necessarily in the nuclear sense, getting larger, um, extended family or step family or, you know, multiple degrees of family is, is getting larger. And so you've got more people that you're buying for, but at Christmas, you want that, that gift to be meaningful because these are people that you care about. So, uh, brands have learned that that shopper is going to buy somewhere. So where does it make sense for for that shopper to buy your item, knowing? And then merchants want that place want want that brand to choose them because they want the larger basket ring across the store. Um, most retailers can pay most of their workers by 10 a.m. on a Black Friday. That's a little nugget I found out the other day, even when you're budget focused. And so it's very important for that merchant and that brand to work together to create a large holistic portfolio that would um, that maximizes that shopper's time in their store. So if you're budget conscious and you are walking in, let's call it Walmart, and you are walking into a Walmart, well, you can get groceries, you can get OTC, uh, health and beauty stuff, but you can also get your electronics, your clothes, kitchenware, housewares, even automotive for that matter. So you've got a more holistic approach that you that you can draw from when you choose a mass merchant like that. And so that those mass merchants are going to work with the brands a little differently because they've got more at stake than just one department or one type of item. And are are you seeing that budget shopper even participate in Black Friday as much or has the trend been that the budget shopper is really just staying online, you know, living on Cyber Monday or living on just traditional deal searching, you know, where they can find a great deal on Amazon in, you know, in no, in August, it doesn't have to be in November. Well, I think that that budget conscious shopper, um, which by the way, is a very large percentage of Black Friday shoppers. They are, they're pretty savvy. They've been watching price points for a while. They've, they've, de- they've predetermined what their Christmas list is, or at least what their big, big priorities are. 
Um, it's easy to throw the TV analogy in there and just say, Hey, I know that I'm going to need a new TV by the end of the year. So I'm going to start watching the TV deals to see what, what the price point is right now. So you've kind of got a baseline. So you're going to start early. You're going to see what the baseline is and you're going to pick the TV that you want. And you're going to be very specific about the specs of that TV. Um, but then as you start getting closer and closer to the holidays, you know, you start seeing early, you start seeing deals that are coming. And so you start getting an idea of what the trend is becoming with the deals. And so by Black Friday, you should expect that same TV to be within a certain price range. Um, if that deal is meets an expectation, then yes, they're going to go on and buy. If it doesn't meet their expectation, they know that through the course of the Thanksgiving weekend, Black Friday weekend, they'll be able to find that TV somewhere at the price that they were expecting to find it. So that's just one example of um, a hot ticket item that is pretty traditional. Um, another thing is whatever that, I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, but when Hatchimals um, first came on the scene, there was not a Hatchimal to be found anywhere on this entire earth because everybody had to have it. And there was only a limited number made um, because one, the toy manufacturers knew that it would be a great item, but they had no idea of just how demanding that item would be for that holiday season. They thought they had a pretty good handle on it, but you know, it, they fell short. And so it became, you know, this pricing game where that didn't have to be, it wasn't necessarily a price thing. It was a availability. It was an availability thing. It wasn't about how much they were going to pay for it. It was about just getting the item in their basket, whether it was online or in store. But typically the online shopper and the in-store shopper are different shoppers, typically. But when it comes to Black Friday, I think you've got, honestly, it's two different shoppers still, but it's those who are willing to fight the crowd and those who aren't. And sometimes money is not even part of the equation at that point. Um, and so now we're left with the other kind of Black Friday shopper, which is the thrill seeker, the one that is looking forward to Black Friday because they just love the excitement behind the event. And it, it really does feel like another holiday for them. And, uh, uh, you know, I think that. For them, though, I mean, they're still looking for those deals, and as deals become easier to find online, I think stores are having to reframe how do we up the ante for um, this show, basically, for this event-level holiday, and shoppers are looking for something else. So what do you see those thrill-seeking shoppers looking for in their Black Friday event this year compared to maybe previous years? How has it changed for them? You know, it's all about um, the thrill of the hunt and it's about, but more than that though, too, I think some of it is just tradition. You know, those, those shoppers typically, and I am one of those shoppers. It is our family tradition, or at least with my sister and sister-in-law and some cousins, we go every Thursday night and we go, it, for me, it's all about people watching and just, you know, just the entertainment factor of it. But for my but for some other family members, it's just, it's about, okay, we're going to just knock Christmas out tonight. And we're, whatever we leave here with is what is going to be under the tree. And, um, and I think that, that those are two very different perspectives, but they both show up at the same time. And, um, but for a lot of folks, it's just about being together, finding great deals, making memories, 
Um, but also just that adrenaline rush and it's competitive. You know, there's a competitive side to everyone. And I think for some folks, it really comes out on Black Friday because they want to get only one of the 100 Egyptian cotton sheet sets that are, you know, at JCPenney or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it's all about just having the thing. Just, you know, it's the competitiveness, something that, that they might not even need, but it's just the conquering of, of the event. Yeah. And what do you think is going to be particularly different this year, though, for that shopper? Do you, do you think the, the thrill-seeking shopper is approaching Black Friday differently this year compared to other years? Or, or do you see a trend sort of, you know, coming along the way that is going to change how that shopper looks at Black Friday? Yeah, I think the, that is more more and more as um, online deals become easily attainable. Um, I think as, the more that um, you can pre-order or that um, if you can get early access to things, um, it's going to diminish a little bit at the store. But at the end of the day, though, those that want to be out in the store are going to be out in the store. Um, I just think that their approach to it, um, they want to go where the biggest deals are. Because when you're looking for the thrill-seeking side of it, you want to be at the where you're going to get the most action um, and feel like you've, you've conquered um, the biggest mountain, if you will. But um, maybe that's a bad analogy, but. Um, but you want to, you want to be there and, and figure out, you know, you want to be at the place where you're going to win. And I think that that's that thrill seeking, um, side of people is that they want to win. They want to get the best deal. They want to fight the hardest. They want to just be right in the middle of it. Um, no matter what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. Well, I really want to thank you, Stephanie, for joining us on the podcast and walking us through, basically defining what that Black Friday shopper is going to look like this year and how retailers can adjust and prepare for what that shopper is looking like. I, I think it's going to continue to change every year, but there are some tried and true things that a Black Friday shopper is going to bring to the table or uh, you know, bring to the pocketbook, <laughs> to be more specific. So I am, I'm, I'm looking forward to see kind of the the results of Black Friday this year and seeing what actually sold the most, what doesn't sell the most. It'll be interesting to see that. Yes, it definitely will be. Definitely will be to kind of analyze what those trends are going to be like after the fact. But anyways, thank you so much, Stephanie, for joining us on the podcast. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for having me. All right, before we jump into our second feature for the show, gotta keep things Black Friday themed, so here is your daily dose of industry news, all with a great Black Friday twinge. This is your Retail News Minute, brought to you by MarketScale. Despite having great sales in the third quarter of this year, retailers such as Target and Best Buy are still facing challenges on Wall Street. Though short-term numbers look good for big-box retailers this holiday season, investors are concerned about changes coming in the new year. The market is worried about retailer fundamentals deteriorating as we go into the next year, said Piper Joffrey, retail analyst at Peter Keith. While overall, some store sales results are pretty healthy, there are signs of a bit of a slowdown. Investors are looking out for 2019 and starting to lap tax cuts and potentially facing price increases from tariffs. Target and Best Buy will have a lot of work ahead to stay in the modern retail market, but the hope of a successful holiday season is the place to start. 
Wouldn't it be great if you could know your local shop has the product you were looking for before stepping into the store? Well, Google is working to make that dream come true. Google has begun to add livestock information to its searches across the UK, following a partnership with startup retail tech app and web service Nearst. Perry Kosravi, who is one of the local business owners piloting the technology, said, Nearst and Google have been a great way for us to create more awareness of our shop and so attract more local customers who can benefit from our staff knowledge choosing the right products rather than ordering online from our competitors. It's actually getting more people into high street shops. This new technology is providing the online tools to empower brick and mortar stores. This is your Retail News Minute, brought to you by MarketScale. With Black Friday on the way, there are things every retailer can do to get ready for their insatiable customers. First, make sure that you are fully stocked on your inventory, especially your most popular items, to ensure new and old customers find what they are looking for. Next, utilize an RFID system with your inventory to ensure that you are being accurate with the numbers in your inventory. Using an analog approach can lead to inaccuracy and a lot of headache during the Black Friday rush. Finally, leverage your online order process to get the most sales. Doing all of these will ensure that you make the most out of your Black Friday sale this holiday season. I'm Brett Brown, and this has been your MarketScale Retail Minute. Our second feature for the show is with Jennifer Ruskin, CEO and owner of Jennifer Kalo Ruskin Enterprises. And she makes a bold claim on this podcast, saying that these days, every day is Black Friday online. And she's not wrong. Amazon and other e-commerce giants are revolutionizing deals, and customers know where to find them any time of the year. But this doesn't mean shoppers don't want to partake in Black Friday. Consumer confidence is at an all-time high, according to Bloomberg News, with median wages on the rise and wealthier households due to gains in the stock market. Ruskin said that this could be the best Christmas shopping season in recent memory, and yet retailers are still a little worried, because how do you convert that consumer confidence into feet in your store? Ruskin breaks down how one of the largest retailers in the country is finding innovative ways to bring people into their store. She also gives us the hottest buying trends for 2018's Black Friday, as well as lists out six best practice tips for how retailers can stay profitable during a season expectation of low prices. All right, Jennifer, welcome to the retail show here on Market Scale. It's great to have you on. We haven't had you on a podcast in a while, but I'm glad we are resourcing you as a trusty analyst because I think you have a lot to say on today's topic. So it's great to have you. How are you doing today? I'm awesome, Daniel. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's been since January. I've missed you guys. Yes. That's well, we great to be we, back on. <laughs> we missed you too. So it's it's time to bring you back. But but anyways, um like I introduced, we are going to be chatting today about how brick and mortar stores are stepping up their game for Black Friday, and really looking at how e-commerce has reshaped the uh, consumer's perspective on Black Friday, and then how brands and companies need to react to that. So uh, just to sort of introduce you a little bit, you've spent 14 years working to get products into two of the largest retailers on earth, Walmart and Amazon, (laughs) uh, which are which is no small feat. So, you know, what has that taught you about the power of branding? Because I'm sure working to get products into those stores has really 
giving you a lot of experience on on the power of shaping a product and its presentation and really pitching it the right way. God, for sure. You know, at the beginning of my 14 years ago, it was pretty easy to take any random product and contact my Walmart buyer and say, hey, is this interesting to you? What do you think? This is you know, pertinent to your category. And a buyer nine times out of 10, as long as there was some sort of relationship would say, awesome, pretty excited. Why don't you come on in and we'll have a little chat about it. And that does not happen anymore. And I think mostly because Amazon entered the scene and Amazon was finally the first retailer to really put some pressure on Walmart. So that's been a really interesting thing. I I realized a few years ago that if I could take the power of Amazon and take any brand that I was working on, launch that brand onto Amazon and then get them in the top five of their category, which I can successfully do and have been doing for years that's the magic sauce that's needed to get into a Walmart. So yes, branding is so vitally important these days. Not only do you have to have beautiful branding, but you have to look the part and act the part and have social media and be active. And so many things these days that you didn't have to do 14 years ago, Daniel, that's for sure. Yeah, well, it's just another example of how e-commerce is changing the game, and that sort of leads me into the main talking point for today, uh, which is Black Friday and how e-commerce is reshaping the Black Friday paradigm. So I think to set the stage, we should look at what is Black Friday going to look like this year from your perspective? I mean, what are uh, a few of the bigger trends or or shopping habits that uh, the consumer is going to bring to the table this year that you think is surprising or maybe troubling, a little um, a little ground shaking? Mm. Okay, well, I want to start first with consumer confidence, because I think as we all lead into this huge season, sometimes it's scary, sometimes it's nerve wracking, and sometimes it's utterly exciting. And according to Bloomberg News, Consumer confidence is sky high. So for us as brands, that is thrilling and exciting, and we are very hopeful for an incredible holiday season. What do you think is inspiring that consumer confidence? So median wages are on the rise. Households are wealthier than a year ago, thanks to continued gains in the stock market. Home values are incredible right now. They're projecting a 5% increase just year over year in combination of in-store and online growth just from last year. And quote unquote, this could make it the best Christmas shopping season in recent memory. Hmm. That's freaking huge. Yeah, that this is, is going to be an awesome holiday season. Yeah, retailers must be uh, must be pretty hyped for that. That's for sure. Oh, incredibly. And I think that we're seeing some really cool tactics that we'll be talking about in a few minutes that are completely game changing when it comes to what's happening this year in Q4 right now as we step into Black Friday. Well, let's let's jump into that a little bit because I think something that I've seen, and I don't think it's news to anyone, but today's consumer is so much more savvy and knows what they're shopping for compared to a decade ago, even five years ago. Um, your average consumer knows their way around Amazon, knows how to find the deals themselves, and doesn't necessarily need to be told what the big deal is this year. They've probably already been scoping it out for the past several months. So that must change the way brands and stores 
market their deals or approach uh, this Black Friday season. So tell me a bit about what you think is going to be different this time around in 2018 than in previous years. I would like to make a bold statement, all right. if I may. You know, we are, my bold we're all about hot takes here. <laughs> <laughs> my bold statement is that these days, every day is Black Friday online. And that's kind of tough to stomach. I mean, as brands, we don't want to hear that. We don't want to hear that our profitability is going to stink 12 months out of the year instead of just one month. Um, But it is the reality of what's happening today. So as we get towards the end of the podcast today, I'd love to share with you a couple tips and tricks that might help you squeeze a little extra profitability as we as we walk into this reality that is today. Um, But I wanted to start with the statement of, you know, these days, every day is Black Friday online. And what does that really mean? Um, How can we take data and figure out that the Black Friday pricing that we're seeing in our circulars this week is really actually pretty comparable to what's happening on Amazon. So I wanted to give you a few different little pieces of statistics to help you with that. So twice.com analyzed Amazon's pricing over the last four weeks to get an average of what that pricing is on an everyday. And then they compared that to the pricing on these Black Friday deals this week. And what did they find? Well, Daniel, they found that 14% of the deals offered no savings at all. 14%. That's kind of crappy, right? Because we get all excited and we're saving our pennies. And hey, 14% of the time, we could have just bought it any day of of the year. Out of the nine product categories, consumer tech and home appliances were the least discounted of all product categories. Now that really blew me away because in my mind, if, you're, if I'm gonna buy a big refrigerator or I'm gonna buy some new fancy piece of, of tech, I'm gonna wait till the holidays. I'm certainly gonna wait till Black Friday, right? Nope. So here's the savings that you'll find by category. So I found that appliances and actual savings, and again, we're looking at Amazon over the last four weeks, their their average retail price versus this week's Black Friday pricing. Appliances, you're only going to see a 30% savings. Electronics, 26%. Computers and phones, 25%. However, you know, I want to give you a little bit of excitement here. If you want to save big and big like hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars, 73% of the savings are going to be found in jewelry and 48% in books, movies, and music. So if you want to feel like you know that you're going to get a good deal and you want to go to one retailer, maybe that's your one place to just feel super confident as a consumer, I'm actually going to give you three. Look at Microsoft, Dell, and Best Buy. The actual savings on those three retailers were in the 90 to 100% ranges of what they're saying is an actual Black Friday sale versus Amazon over the last four weeks. And so those retailers are still seeing better deals, even though there's sort of a a disconnect between uh, technology deals? Absolutely. Those three you can feel confident walking into. Now, the best savings, apparently, what people are calling the best savings item of the season is actually at Best Buy, and you will save $200. It's a gaming laptop. It's a 17.3 Asus tough gaming laptop for $1,000. It's really tough. Ha ha. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's really tough to find a gaming laptop for $1,000 or under, and they have one with a $200 savings. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to see that those stores are the ones with the best savings, even though, you know, we're not really seeing a lot of great savings on tech in general. Um, Mm -hmm. 
but they are the ones that are reliable. Right, right. And that have deep, 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 true discounts compared to Amazon.com. Really, I think a lot of the incentive of Black Friday shopping is getting people to shop for the holidays, um, getting people to buy their gifts, getting people to to stock up. But if the uh, if the deals aren't really that special, then what is Black Friday really doing for these brands? Is it even bringing enough brand awareness? Um, or is it really just driving profitability down for deals that people are finding ways to get all year round? That's a really good question. Um, I would say that as consumers, we have been taught to save our pennies and go and buy everything that we can on Black Friday. Things have changed with um, online shopping, Amazon entering the picture, especially strongly over the last few years, and that Amazon itself has driven pricing compression into the rest of the market in such a way that makes Black Friday every day online. Again, wonderful for shoppers and consumers, not so great for brands, but it is the reality that is today. Um, One of the members of my team, Huey, actually worked directly for Jeff Bezos at Amazon, and he's constantly telling us these great Jeff Bezos stories. And one of them was all about pricing compression. And he said, guys, do you understand the way that Amazon works? Amazon works to create pricing compression inside of Amazon by allowing all these other third parties to come on and and offer it whatever price they want. The lowest price wins the buy box. Again, there's other factors that play into that, but typically it's the lowest price that wins the buy box. The reason that Amazon and its algorithm works like that is that for the shoppers, for the consumers, we feel such confident shopping on Amazon knowing that we are going to have the broadest assortment at the very best price every single day of the year, no matter what. And so years later, now we look around and here's the phenomenon that is today that every day is Black Friday. So yes, it is reality. But yes, things are also changing in brick and mortar now to match what's happening online. Are you ready to talk about that a little bit? Yes, definitely. That was my next question was, mm-hmm. was finding how are brick and mortar stores responding to this? Um, because I know brick and mortar stores are having to rely more and more on that shopping experience and really putting together something that feels one of a kind that, you know, maybe turning the Black Friday experience less into you're going to get a great deal, but maybe combining that with you're going to get a great deal and you're going to get to see a really cool, unique Black Friday display, or you're yes. going to get you're going to get really exciting customer service that you don't get year round. We're going to have you know special attendance at every section. You know, little things like that. Is that what you're seeing? Um, and and why do you think they're going in that direction to change Black Friday? Even more over the top than just that. So I love it. While we just picked on Walmart for having the lowest score in their <laughs> actual savings at sixty one percent. What I would love to say about Walmart is they are really going above and beyond to kick some Amazon butt and some e-commerce butt. So what's happening this year is Amazon is hosting 19,000 in-store events to let kids test out the toys, to let parents feel them and play with them and see if it's right for their kids. Um, They'll be having events and retailtainment in 19,000 different store events just in Q4 alone. So that's freaking awesome and huge. The second thing, again, super over the top and not usually Walmart fashion, is Walmart has created a digital toy lab where kids get to actually go online and test out the toys themselves. Some of the hottest toys in the market this 
you for like fingerlings. You can actually take your dinosaurs and go play with them online and in these virtual simulations. So if you guys want to check that out, you can go to walmarttoylab.com to see how Walmart's gone above and beyond and over the top for holiday this year for their brick and mortar. And I love that digital tie-in. You can see that Walmart's saying, you know, hey, we're not Amazon, but we are certainly also going to take our in-store experience and relay that back in a digital way online as well. I love that. Yeah, I, I love that the in-store experience is almost trying to work in conjunction with the power of e-commerce. It's, uh, hey, let's let you test this out, but then head back online to find the best deal later. Uh, but it's still bringing people in-store and still... Uh, giving brand awareness not that walmart really necessarily needs more brand awareness but it's that concept of getting people excited about the store and the experience and then the brands know that yeah these customers know what they're looking for they're going to find the deals anyways so let's get them in for a different reason yes and in a complete omni-channel solution which Walmart does do very well. So we've looked at how Black Friday is changing this year. Uh, we've looked at how e-commerce is changing the game for brick and mortar stores, but that still hasn't answered the question of since every day is Black Friday and we have much savvier customers out there finding deals year round, how can these brands stay profitable year round and especially on Black Friday when they're almost expected to cut prices even lower? Um, I I think uh, this is especially true for smaller businesses and not necessarily these legacy brands, even though everyone can be affected by this. But how are you seeing companies respond to this and find ways to stay profitable year round and especially on Black Friday? Absolutely. I actually represent lots of brands, um, both online and in Walmart. And so a couple different best practices that I've put together for my clients, I've made six different best practices for you guys. Hopefully some of these are helpful. Um, the first one would be make it a best practice to frequently go back to your factories and ask for lower pricing. I know that sounds silly, but I find with my clients, especially when we're talking with Walmart and they want to continuously lower, lower, lower every single year over year, the pricing that we're giving them, it's as simple as going back to your factories and saying, can you give me a lower price? Has anything changed? Is there any cheaper materials or is there any cheaper packaging or something else that we could do to help lower the price? Um, what if we did a larger run? And when you get that information back, feel free to go back to your retailer or go back to your even your online retailer with some other lower pricing, even if you're having to do more of a volume buy. The second thing would be ensure that you're using the latest technology in your products and updating them yearly. Um, I sell into the consumer electronics space inside of Walmart today, and we do mass volume. And one thing that I always challenge to my client is, are we using the latest and greatest technology? And if we're not, what can we do to change that? And a lot of times the latest technology is actually cheaper than some of the archaic stuff that you might be continuing to use in your products. So just check that out. Um, number three would be find ways to cut costs in your packaging and materials. One thing that Walmart is doing, they're calling it the hashtag packaging challenge, where every one of us is having to go back to our clients and to our manufacturing plants and challenging them to cut packaging in half, 50%, 50% packaging waste. And that again, helps you with their cost of materials. Number four would be sell direct and cut out the middleman. A few years ago, I worked for Nature's Path Organic Food, and I was their Walmart sales rep, and they were using a distributor. So there was a middleman that was adding it to the price. And at that point, we were selling a bag of cereal for like 
five to seven dollars. It was insane. When we cut out the middleman and we sold directly into Walmart, we were able to sell that same bag of cereal for like $2.50. It was insane. And I know that this isn't the case in every retailer that you're selling into or in every product that you create, but is there some sort of middleman that is that is in there adding extra costs that you could be then adding back into your profitability at the end of the day if you cut them out? Number five would be sell directly on your website. Like to give a little love here to Shopify. It's amazing. And then also start thinking about subscription boxes. Again, through your own website, something very unique and curated. This is a really fun and easy way to drive excitement from your shoppers and to get them um, hopeful and excited to see you coming into their, um, their house every single month. And then the last thing that I have is create an exclusive line of products for Amazon or any other e-com only channel that completely separates it from what's happening in store. This will help you in your profitability. Your UPCs will be different. And so you won't be feeling like this constant need to um, drive your pricing down further and further because you have something that's very unique to that specific retailer. Well, thank you again, Jennifer, for joining us on the podcast and giving us your insight on the state of Black Friday this year. Sounds like it's going to be hectic. It's going to be a unique year, but I think with that uniqueness comes excitement uh, because we're seeing brands find new ways to change up the brick and mortar experience to get people excited about shopping on Black Friday. I, I think down the line, we're going to more and more see Black Friday become more of an event. Uh, not that it isn't already, but an event at the stores that the stores really do something above and beyond to deliver on the Black Friday experience beyond just the deals. It's going to become, okay, what is this store doing that is a spectacle for the kids? What is this store doing that is really immersing me with some cool VR technology or something like that? And I think that's what we're going to see for Black Friday down the line. But till then, I think we can uh, look forward to seeing some cool e-commerce and brick and mortar collaboration. And I'd like to thank you, Jennifer, for giving us that insight. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me on. I wanted to make one small plug. If anyone needs help with their Walmart or Amazon business, I have not only one-on-one -on -one consulting available and a team that can help you, but we also offer brand new online courses. So from your desk or from your team member's desk, you can learn how to do Amazon on and even get into Walmart stores all the way from A to Z completely into the to the store retailer of your choice, which is pretty exciting. Love it. Well, yeah, everyone, make sure you check out jenniferkaloruskin.com. She has great tips, as you can tell. I definitely feel informed for this shopping season. So thanks again, Jennifer. You're welcome. Thanks so much. All right, everyone. Unfortunately, that's it for today's episode of the Market Scale Retail Show. I hope you enjoyed the first one. It was two longer segments instead of that quick bite action we've been trying to set on some of our other shows, but I think it was necessary. We had some pretty high-level content we needed to explore and set the stage for retailers to have a successful Black Friday. So everyone, I hope you have a beautiful Black Friday. I know I'm going to get out there, find the best deals, and like Jennifer said... The best deals are in jewelry this year, so might get a new chain, new watch, who knows? <laughs> I'll be hitting up Kohl's either way because they have uh, the most affordable deals in my price range. So 
looking forward to Black Friday. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. And if you'd like to find out more about previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. Make sure to leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.